We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. episode of the Golden Blogs podcast, the BearCast. Uh, we are back after a weird week, where we had a midweek, not midweek, but end of the week, Friday Friday night game. Um, We're doing it like the team, twice in five days? Yeah. Is it? Yeah, because we recorded, what, uh, Wednesday, right? Yeah. Oh, it was a Thursday night game. It wasn't a Friday night game. The Oregon was a Friday night game. It was a Thursday night game. So we recorded yeah. on Wednesday, so not even. <laughs> it's been four days. Our academics are suffering. Very much. <laughs> Very much. It's um, too tough of a schedule. <laughs> it, it definitely is. Too tough. Uh, I, yeah, so as we said last week, we're changing up the schedule a little bit. Um, and Or not our schedule, but uh, yeah, the schedule's been changed too. But uh, our program's been switched up a little bit. So starting from today, we're going to do a little bit of a... Well, switcheroo, I guess. Um, and with the intros, not as much more big talk, uh, more just our uh, top three things from the weekend or week uh, that we've picked up. Uh, it could be foot, college football related, later, probably later on college basketball related, and more so just newsworthy things that we picked up throughout the week. So. Uh, we'll get started. Andy, what's your number one? Or they're not in any particular order, just to let people know. This is just, yeah, we'll just go back and forth going on top three for the week. So. Yeah, first item, Wisconsin versus Nebraska. <laughs> I I can't. I can only laugh at, like, how that ending occurred. Like, it was, I, you know, I, I have a friend who's from, who who went to Duke, but he's a Wisconsin football fan. And he describes Wisconsin football like this is you get a bunch of really, really big athletic O linemen. Yep. And you get a really, really, really talented southern back. Mm-hmm. And you just run the ball. Yeah, that's what they do. Sounds about right, right? Yeah. Put them on that nice uh, meat and cheese diet <laughs> and it makes it really easy. Yeah, it's great. I mean, it, they've really established a pretty Decent formula up there. It's like the way that Michigan football 
most of the time plays Michigan football, Wisconsin football is exactly that. Yeah, I mean, it was it was a pretty wild game, and certainly the crazy finish with uh, the fact that that kicker missed the extra point, and it looked like Nebraska you know, could have scored there. But, yep, that's Mike Riley for you. You'll get that frustrating loss in there some one is way it, or the other. Isn't Nebraska ranked now? Are they not? Oh, yeah. They're ranked, right? Mm-hmm. They're up there. How, do, how does that happen? Like, how, how does he get basically, I guess, do you think that was a mutually, like, contract ending at OSU? Like, was that, or do you feel like he was, they just didn't perform and they just let him go? I think eventually everyone, I don't know. I mean, he seemed really, he liked, I think from what I read, he liked being a little bit out of the limelight, same way Gary Anderson did. Yeah. And then, I don't know if it was just like he couldn't, because they always said he had a really deep Texas recruiting pipeline. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if the that Oregon just... State luster just was never there. And then, you know, Nebraska saw that, and, yeah, they seem to have, I mean, I when that hire was made, I thought it was a really good hire. Because Mike Riley could always out-scheme us, even when we were at our best with Tedford. So uh, a coach like that is a good find, and, Especially with, you know, what he's, I mean, was it Tarek Johnson? Yeah. The recruit? He's yeah. Just, yeah, so we might lose him to Nebraska. I mean. There's a whole bunch, he's, I don't know what he's done, but all of a sudden he's taking California kids out to Nebraska. Like, it's it's weird how that, how he couldn't pull Texas guys to Oregon State, but then he flips what he used while he was out here into basically getting guys to at least visit Nebraska. It's It's incredible. Yeah, it's crazy. So, tough loss for them, but good for Wisconsin. My yeah. roommate was my old roommate in Chicago is a Wisconsin fan, so <laughs> I, I'm not a fan of Wisconsin. But hey, I mean Aaron Rodgers is a fan of Wisconsin, so there yeah. you go. Yeah, but he did say he'll never wear red. Yeah, he'll never wear exactly. Red. Um, well, yeah, what was your number one top of the line? Uh, my number one that started us start us off Virginia Louisville. I mean the Lamar Jackson. I think has run away with the Heisman at this rate. I mean, I think the only person in my mind, that can catch up to him is probably Jabril Peppers at Michigan. Um, I don't know if you saw that picture of every single position he played this past weekend, but it basically went through every single skill position on offense and defense. He played quarterback, he played running back, he played wide receiver, he played safety, he played... Uh, Peppers? Yeah, linebacker. Like So that's that for me, that's the only reason he's like right there at number two. And Michigan's winning. So, uh, But back to the Louisville-Virginia game, I mean... If you rewatch, if you watch some of the highlights from this game, it's all drops. Those are the highlights. Lamar Jackson's wide receivers cannot catch a ball for their life, mm. and it came down to the wire. And he, that last throw was just perfectly lofted over the top, and you see the CB, the the cornerback, jump up with one hand, and he just he's in full extension with one hand, and the ball. I think sales maybe about three inches over that cornerback's hands, right into the hands of the wide receiver, and that's the game-winning touchdown with 13 seconds left. I saw that throw, and I was like, "That's the the accuracy on that and the timing, and because it was kind of like a fade route, too, because the wide receiver had turned his body back towards the quarterback and was jumping backwards. Mm-hmm. So the timing of that, the the placement, like I that, that game was, was, for me, Kind of felt like, oh, this is the reason why everyone likes Lamar Jackson so much. Um, not just the numbers, but just what he can do. Um, is Mendenhall, Mendenhall the coach at Virginia? Uh, yeah, yeah, Bronco Mendenhall, that's right. Yeah, the old BYU coach. I really like that he went for two. Yeah. 
That was yeah. an awesome decision. I think if you're if you're the home team and you don't have anything to lose, like you're not ranked, like it's yeah, you're two you and five. You're, yeah, it's you know what the hell? Like it's it's that type of moment, right? Um, and it works. Wish <laughs> if that type of moment comes uh, Saturday, that'd be pretty awesome. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, that was my number one. What about you? What was your number two? I liked the TCU Texas Tech game, mm-hmm. um, just because I was one I was able to watch, and it was you know fantastic finish in overtime and kicker missed. And <laughs> I mean, Mahomes wasn't as good as he was last week, right? Yeah. Or was it two weeks ago? I think it was, was it two weeks ago. It might have been two weeks ago. No, last week. Was it last week where yeah. he mm-hmm. eight hundred yards? <laughs> yeah, last week. <laughs> oh God, eight hundred yards. I, that, I I still can't fathom that number. Eight hundred yards of offense by a single player in one game. Yeah, it's like a season. <laughs> yeah. Season worth of production. Yeah. Uh, I guess for me, my number two, Michigan, Michigan State. I mean, with what happened last season in that game, you know, everyone remembers. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> and I, this game kind of felt like maybe, maybe Michigan State can pull it off again. It, it did feel like that. Um, but then, of course, as I mentioned when I was talking about my number one, Jabril Peppers, man. That guy is, I don't know, I, I'm looking at it as from like an NFL scout, and I'm not an NFL scout, but I'm trying to think of how do you gauge his talent level? Like, you know his athleticism is there for sure, but where would you place him, you know, when you take him to the pro? Like, he is their starting safety. Yeah. But he plays more positions than Adderay Jackson does, and he's more influential than Adderay Jackson is. Does he play corner? He did. He can. He has the he has the athleticism too. Hmm. So that's the question for me. Like it's it's a matter of do you want his athleticism on defense? Like do you he could? I think he could be that that Patrick Peterson type, like the yeah. lockdown corner, but also can basically is a free roam type on the defense. Yeah, in that case, like, I kind of like him at at safety, just because you have a little bit of like. Um, Trying to think of, uh, oh my gosh. Tyron Matthew? No. Sua Cravens? Is it Eric Reed? For the Niners? No. Oh, no. Not Eric Reed. Damn it. Um, the guy on the Chiefs. who had the, Eric Berry. Eric Berry. Yeah, Eric Berry. Yeah. My favorite. My favorite. I can't remember. Yeah, I like the Eric Berry types. I think you can really change the style of the defense with a good safety. Like Sean Taylor. But, yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't know how much of an athlete, like, I don't know if it's better to have an athlete of that type be able to lock someone down like a Richard Sherman type or a Patrick Peterson type, or if it's better to have them be, like, the captain of the secondary. Like Tyrone Matthew back there, yeah. like Earl, Earl Thomas back there, like, you know, one of those guys, or Camp Chancellor. Um, so, yeah, it's it's crazy to watch him play, what, like, eight different positions this past weekend? Like I was reading somewhere they were talking about even putting a, a, a play limit potentially next year because they thought... Some guys were playing too much. And there's, a, I think, no, it was on the Cal broadcast. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it was like they were talking about Arena Football League and how they actually had a play limit for how many plays, like how many snaps a player could play until the next week. So you'd actually have to, you would eventually If he reaches that amount, he like has that. to sit out for the rest yeah, of the game. Yeah, for the rest of the game. Because they were worried about exhaustion, which is a fascinating point. It is. But will they ever get to there? I don't know. Not... Well, this fits really well into my number three. Yeah, um, which we'll go into right now. Which is 
along the lines of like what the uh, Larry Scott said about the Pac-12 and not really caring about academics and all that. So, yeah, so if you haven't listened to what Andy's talking about, um, with Ryan Gorsky of Scout, uh, BearTerritory.net, if you go up, it's a free article you can watch and read. Um, it's a little, uh, like a press little thing with uh, Commissioner Larry Scott. It's like 12 minutes about you know, just the scheduling, how that works, and how academics plays into it, and you know, like who plays who off a of bye week and things like that, and the the little contingencies that are in place for when they're scheduling to see, you know, this can't happen and this can't happen because, you know, you, you just can't pull out of a hat week in, week out, right? It, it doesn't work like that. There has to be certain permutations that you have to include, certain regulations or rules. Um, so, yeah, he was talking about that, and, you know, he said academics do not play a part. Basically, that's what he said is that academics do not play a part um, and. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. So if that's the stance of your commissioner of the Pac-12, then who cares? Players are getting exhausted. Then you guys are just treating it like a professional league anyways. Like, if he's doing it that way, I say pay the players. I say pay the players regardless because I know what it's like having to put in 50-hour weeks on top of a school schedule, and I'm not, I wasn't out there sacrificing any personal injury to me. And you, uh, I don't know if you saw, I, te- I texted you about this where Erna, actually, I'll leave his name out of it. Yeah. But a former Cal football player posted on social media that he wasn't going to let his children play football because there was a study that found 91% of former college football players were dealing with some form of CTE, which is crazy. I mean, that's so if they're putting their lives on the line and their livelihood, and we already had that one former Cal player, I'm shocked there's not more NCAA athletes. I'm sure. And you saw Chris Borland retire early and all that. So... For me, just bam, like bam. You won't see a, anyone on campus holding up a sign on Wisconsin's campus saying you're know, starving. Yeah, that's actually a basketball player too. Yeah, <laughs> that's crazy. crazy. To mean. Yeah, it's, you know, like starving college athlete. It's just if you're not going to treat and worry about academics, then you're not. They're not actually student athletes. They're just athletes. Yeah, and if they're athletes, they should get some of the revenue that everyone else is getting because you know. Berkeley's getting a ton of revenue. Pac-12 is getting a ton of revenue. ESPN's getting all that. Ridiculous. Yeah, I'm in the same boat as you. I mean, I've always been in the boat of, you know, it, there's a fine line between like s- saying that they they should be paid versus you know the whole you're going to school for free versus a lot of these kids that you know are paying their way through college and come out with debt that's ginormous. And so there, it there it it comes and goes, right? And then of course, the athletic side of it is, you know, you're not waking up at five thirty to go to practice, and then having to take a midterm later that night, or you know, like Milky Stovall, uh, I think he had a, uh, what's it, a, a presentation or something like that on Wednesday, and then he had to fly out what like right afterwards to come to play the the USC game down in LA on Thursday, and so there's that there is that trade off, and I do under, I understand both parties to a certain degree, like I understand students saying like. If they're going to go professional, like, the, they'll go professional and they'll get paid, right? Like, they shouldn't be getting free to – if they're going to get paid, then they should have to pay tuition, right? It, I, and I know some people that say that. Really? Yeah. So Even if they're getting paid, like, 10 grand? See, but that's – so there's the difference for me, right? I mean, for me, if it's how Larry Scott is kind of saying this whole thing is that it's – you know, he kind of said along the lines of, oh, you know, it's – it's with our TV deals. Like, it's gotten us more exposure. Like, you know, it, it's, uh, 
it's better for the league. It's better for the conference, and he he, he packages it that way. Then, of course, I'm I'm all in the boat of saying pay him because if you're treating them like a product, a merchandise, right, like something to show off on TV, this product of Pac-12 football or basketball, then yeah, the person that's performing that on TV should get compensation for it. Mm-hmm. Um, but just on the base level alone of just should players get paid versus, um, you know, students saying they shouldn't get paid or we should get more, you know, deductions or whatnot. I, it's, it's tough. Cause I've, you know, we were all students too, and we know the student side of it and that affects both parties regardless. Right. Um, but both parties are, are working at the school, regardless of whether an athlete or not towards their future. And, yeah, it's just, it's a really iffy subject. I, I'm, I don't see like a, like, here's the answer, you know, like, like, you don't you can't flip to the back of the book and find an answer sheet for this question. Like it's, you know, you, you, if you're going to pay the players, then what deems amateur versus professional status, right? Which is technically what we're saying Mm -hmm. is college football players are amateurs, they're not professional players. Right. And there's. Well, you can, I mean, see, it's the, it's the NCAA's headache, in yeah. my opinion, that yeah. they should, if they're not already prepared for, yeah. they're sleeping. But, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I don't know, like, what regulate on, regulates on a recruiting side. Can you pay more for someone else versus, you know? Exactly, it gets, right? It gets really yeah. interesting. But that's the fun side of it is it could take the sport to a place that would be better off than right now, I think. But could, would it? But would it be better off? I mean, I'm I'm just going to play devil's advocate here. Like, let's say you were able to play pay players, right? Well, pay, players are getting paid anyways. I right. Mean, like right. Cam Newton. There's no reason why if Cam Newton was, dad was getting 115 thousand from Mississippi State, he'd choose Auburn just because he liked Auburn that much. That's true. <laughs> yeah, that <laughs> is true. There's yeah. no way. But I'm saying, I mean, this is the whole conundrum that I have with professional soccer as well. Is there's no salary cap, right? There in professional soccer. And you're so how professional soccer works when you want to bring in a player, you pay the player to negotiate with the you pay the team to be able to negotiate with the player, mm-hmm. and the team basically gets all that cash for that player. So the player is treated like an asset basically, and you're paying him for the asset, and then you negotiate the contract with the player, and that player is yours regardless of whether that player is under contract for the next five years or not. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. So then I could just say. Hey, I want Messi. I'll pay you 150 million. And if Barcelona says yes, Messi and I negotiate a contract. And if he's if they if that works out, he's on my team. Boom. Wow. No salary cap. No regulations. No nothing. So anyone can theoretically get anyone if they're willing to pay for exactly. it. Exactly. But FIFA put into place, which is the financial fair play, where they where they go through the books of every professional team, and you have to be in the green, or you have to be in the black. Like you can't you can't be negative. You can't be spending more than you're bringing in revenue with ticket sales and you know jersey sales and all that. Okay. So that's that's where it gets a little iffy for me because if you start if you can't regulate the amount of money that pe- that teams can start giving out players, then doesn't that doesn't that put teams like us like Cal at a very very big disadvantage? Yeah, we're already at one now. Right, but <laughs> but there's there would, there would be so much of a gap between in any in any league, right? Okay, maybe maybe, but then you look at a team like the Indians, right? And Look at yeah. baseball as an example, and they're not one of the higher salary cap teams mm-hmm. in the league, and they're able to make it. It does create more of like the Yankees, Dodgers, Cubs, you know, high payroll, high reward, even the Giants, top seven, I think, yeah. top five. So 
it does create a little bit more of that, but at the same time, if you you're get, an efficiently run organization like the Tampa Bay Rays that true. make the playoffs every single year. But you, you get drafts also, in the pros, right? You get to pick your players. You get to pick your players, kind of. <laughs> <laughs> well, they have to choose. Like, I can, give them a, I can give them a scholarship, Yeah. but they ultimately have to choose me, right? Versus yeah. the professionals where I choose you in a draft, you're coming to play for me then for the next five years. All right, let's no do question. an NCAA draft. <laughs> With what? How many? How many? You've been drafted by Cal. You now have to come to Cal. <laughs> it would be so funny. That Anyways. would be. That would. That would create some intrigue. That would it? be ridiculous. Would, I mean, oh, those. Oh, dang it! I have to go to Cal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. You imagine like doing the drafts and like all these high school kids, you know, with the camera in their house, and they're like, you know, getting the phone call and just <laughs> head down, the crying. The, is it the tears of joy or is it the tears Montana that I just got? State? No. <laughs> did I get drafted by the Cleveland Browns? Yeah. Oh, it's one of those moments. Yeah, I mean, there is there is really no question. There's no really answer for this, um, but I guess going back to the scheduling, that's that's something that they need to look at. I mean. But there's another article that John Wilner just put out um, saying that, you know, Mike Williams or, you know, Avi wrote an article and put it up on Golden Blocks with the John Wilner quote. And it's basically saying, you know, I don't think Mike Williams kind of fought for it. Like it kind of sounded like the so apparently how it works is the scheduling comes out, it gets sent to all the 80s and they all the 80s sign off on it as long as they're cool with it. Wow. So. He said he wanted to go along with the will of the majority of the conference. That's the quote. Mm. So I don't have an issue. I don't have the same Sonny Dykes issue with the schedule that I, I don't. I don't agree with him. I mean, I, I do think that this is a tight turnaround. And in the one part I agree with him about is the amount of teams that have buys before playing Cal. I don't agree with him that we're playing a schedule that's more demanding than necessarily anybody else because I've seen, you know, UCLA has to turn around and play on Thursday, right? But are they coming out of bye? Yeah. Yeah, they're coming out of bye. Well, I whatever. Think, yeah, I mean, one of the bigger points for Dykes, too, was that he's talking about, like, the academic scheduling. Yeah. Like, is it's just a week a weekday game during, like, midterm season at a, at a highly academic school, like, is just... That's fine. I thought he was talking... I mean, he's also... There also was a big deal about all the injuries. Yeah. And... If you don't play a overtime game against Oregon State, who you're favored to beat by 16, and then you don't play a double overtime game by against an Oregon team that you're up 20 on in the third quarter, you run into that USC game on a two-game win streak coming out of your bye with having your bench players play in both of those games and your starters feeling pretty well-rested. And all of a sudden, it's a totally different dynamic. And I think it's it's a little lame that we're just like pushing everything onto, oh yeah, this. It just sounds like yeah, okay, we, do what you were supposed to do, win those games, rest your starters. For goodness sake, get Ross Bowers into a ball game, <laughs> and have our guys get some rest. And all of a sudden, you don't run into the same like okay, Cal's resting forty one players on Monday after they played, you know, Oregon in double overtime because of injuries and fatigue. Yeah, I mean, I you, you saw the tweet I put out about the scheduling, and a lot of people retweeted it. But basically, I, there comes a point where you can blame scheduling to a certain degree, or like you know, you can point to the scheduling, right? And I I'm I'm okay with that, you know. Voice your opinions about the schedule, because because two weeks back to back weekdays really to one team, like it's just it, come on. I agree. Um, 
Like, it doesn't need to be back-to-back. Like, I don't mind having two weekday games during during the season. Does it need to be back-to-back? Like, come on. Give, give something more for the fans, really. Uh, but at the same time, you can't blame that for your depth and your coaching ability, right? And I'm not talking about Sonny. I'm talking about just the whole team in general. Like, mm-hmm. how we've come out of buys of late, of the last four, four or five years, four years, um, and... The defense's inability to to just build off of, like, the Utah game was amazing, right, defensively. And then what happens in Oregon State, literally just the week after, like, we crumble. Like, I don't <laughs> – the switch from, like, playing against that or, uh, the Utah team who was so good at running, but we, yet we held them in check to – we bent, but we didn't break. And then we just – just open the door to OSU, right? And then the Oregon game, decent, not great. Really good first half. Yeah, really good first half, decent. And then we come out to USC on Thursday and open the door again. Like <laughs> It was so, and you, we talk about like the depth and how it's not there. Well, then whose fault is it that there's no depth there? Right. Right. Is it the, is it the injuries? Yes, yes, I can. I'll, I'll give you a little bit on the injuries. You know, no one expected us to lose to Marie Drew and Griffin Pyatt, probably our two starters before the season even began. Mm-hmm. And then to have Rambo go out, right? And then have Allensworth go out. Um, well, he's not out, out. He's just, he didn't play uh, this past week. And, and so you lose all those guys off the top of your list and you're playing your third and fourth stringers. I'll give you that much. You know, I'll give you. Because that's just unexpected. Um, but we should have recruited enough by now to have that depth behind there, whether it be a linebacker, whether it be a corner, whether it be at safety. Um, and it clearly wasn't there. Oh, Turner going out too, right? So, yeah, I mean, we burned a lot of red shirts on Thursday night, which were unnecessary burning of red shirts, in my opinion. Um, yeah, and, I agree. Yeah, it was, yeah. All right, I guess we'll move on to the game that happened last Thursday. Should we go over the should we go to the recap? Yeah. Let's go to the recap. Actually, yeah, we'll go to the recap. My my third point uh we can talk about later when we get to the other Pac-12 games. Okay. Uh let's go to the recap. So Cal played USC at the Coliseum Thursday night. USC wins 45 to 24. Um USC And let's just give one hat tip to myself. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you basically called the score. Yeah, forty four twenty one. One, yeah. So it was forty five twenty four, right? Yeah. So about a three, I just three used, point I just swing. Used, I just used what Vegas gives me, man. <laughs> Vegas is on it this year. I'm just like, oh yeah, okay, perfect. Yeah. <laughs> uh, just some important, some key stats. Uh, Sam Darnold, the quarterback, eighteen completions on twenty five attempts, one interception, two hundred thirty one yards, five touchdowns. Rushing for USC, Ronald Jones, 18 carries for 223 yards. Not a single yard of loss. That's 12.4 yards of carry. And then Akasedri Ware, 20, car- or 20 carries for 130 yards. That's an average of 6.5. They did not have their leading rusher, Justin Davis, today. Or in this game. He was out injured. Look on the flip side. Davis Webb, 34 completions on 53 attempts. One interception, 333 yards, two touchdowns. Did not get sacked a single time, though. Yeah, great was, job online. Yeah. 
but our rushing, Calfani, 15 carries, 92 yards, loss of three, so net 89, 5.9 yards a carry. Trey Watson, 11 times for 35 yards um, and a loss of two, so 33 yards net and an average of 3.0. Yeah. I mean, we were in the game. We were. I mean, you look at the box score, right? The box score went uh, USC 14 is here at the end of the first, and then it was 28 10 at the end of the second, and then it was uh, 42 7 or 42 17 at the end of the third. So when you look at it that way, it doesn't seem like we were in it, but the scores went back and forth in the, in the second. Like it was 14. It was uh, 14 0, and then 21 0, and then 21 7, and then 21 10, and then 28 10, and then 28 17. And that's where I thought we might come back mm-hmm. after it went 28 17, after uh, Davis Webb's one yard run. We had that drive that I think stalled out on fourth down in their territory. Yeah. And then they immediately scored after that, and that's yeah. when I was, tur- I was like, nah, this game's over. Yeah. And that's what turned into the Ronald Jones 37 yard run, mm-hmm. which, which increased their lead to 35 17. Yep. So I guess we'll go through. Uh, well, let's go through it. Um, that was, those are the key stats for you. Your f- favorite moments of the game? Do you have any favorite moments from this game? Um, I don't know. How about you? I guess my favorite moment for, for, moment for the game was just the start. Uh, they deferred. We got the ball. What did we do? We take a deep, deep shot on a go route to Demetrius Robertson, and it goes through his hands. There was no one over over the top. He beat his corner. The corner was maybe, I'd say, an easy like three four feet away. So there wasn't like he's not catching him, and he he. It's not like he didn't even. It's not like he took his eyes off the ball either. He saw the ball coming over his shoulder. He watched it all the way through, and it just it clinked. It hit both his hands, and then just dropped like in between. Like I I don't think he angled his hands right, so it just hit and just dropped right through. So, I mean, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pin it on that play. I mean, if we were able to start the game that quick. This is your favorite moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, just because I, I <laughs> like the fact that we went, for the, we went on the deep shot to start the game. Like, okay. we didn't have Hanson, right? And all we did on, the, on that first drive, like, when we got used to – when we – I think we got a first down or something like that. And then we, all we did was go route Demetrius Robertson. We just threw it to him. And it was on target. It was just a drop. But that would have been a touchdown, and we would have started the game 7-0. and Yeah. Um, and that definitely could have changed some of the dynamics and the momentum in that game. Easy. Yeah. You know, not being able to score in the first quarter, that definitely hurt us. Yeah, I agree. Um, How you come up determines so much. I think mine is just seeing Billy McCrary play. He's pretty electric. He was a really, I've said he was that. Fun I've to said watch. That, yeah, since I, the kid is he's shifty. He's quick. Um, I think he reminds me a little bit of his power power with Sofeli. Like, it, it kind of reminds me of it. I think he's a better back than Sofeli he's for bigger. sure. Yeah, he's bigger. He's bigger um, than I even thought. Yeah. Yeah, but I think his power, as I've seen with that size, mm-hmm. his stature, very much reminds me of Sofeli. Um, but I don't know. I don't know how else to describe his, his running game, his... His little shifts, like his little turns, you know, his his reading, and you know the, you know the the key for me when I watch running backs is this might just be me, but you know when they're following their lead blocker and they keep their hand on basically their the 
the blockers back and then kind of uses that to push off. Not a lot of running backs do that. Um, but the ones that do, in my opinion, are the good ones because they use that extra moment, like extra force pushing off, like like a swimmer coming off or turning and pushing off of a block. Like they kind of use that to kind of give themselves maybe like a six-inch burst. Mm-hmm. Um, and he does that time in and time out. Like, And I think that's just the makings of a good back is being able to do that. And the kid came in and was on defense last year. We just flipped him, I think, in spring ball or fall camp. I don't remember. Yeah. So, <laughs> nightmare moment. I think. Do you have uh, Do you have a nightmare moment or nightmare moments? Yeah, there's plenty. <laughs> I think I, my only one that I really had a, like a grievance with. I just my nightmare moment was uh, not seeing Ross Bowers play in that game. Yep, and it also is kind of a favorite moment because like we didn't give up, and I, I like the attitude of the team that is down twenty one and still trying. But at the same time, like, why not let the guy see the field? What are we just not preparing at all for? If we, if someone Dave, goes Davis down. Webb is not here for another year, so <laughs> like, it's frustrating because your favorite, my favorite moment is seeing Billy McCrary play, but then my least favorite moment is the fact that he's the only one that got subbed in, right? And <laughs> You know, I'd love to see Ross Bowers play as well and, see, you know, get those minutes. I'll be, I mean, SC put in their B team. Yep. What? Why are we risking injury <laughs> with a, a grad transfer and not giving it to the younger guys? It is mind-blowing. I was hoping someone would ask Sonny in the presser and just go and like, hey, you know, what were, what were your thoughts there? Down 21, 20 seconds left, having your starting quarterback who was previously pulled out of the ball game for injury. In. Am I allowed to ask this week? I know this Washington game wrapped up, but I was curious. <laughs> <laughs> Why did you not pull Davis Webb? Maybe uh, maybe at the Tuesday presser, uh, someone will go and ask. Maybe if I have time, maybe I'll go and ask. Yeah. It would be interesting to find out like what the reasoning is there. Because you know, from the casual observer, I just uh, would have loved to see Ross Barris come in and get some minutes. It was cool seeing some of the young guys play. Yeah, I think some people have that that thing against Sonny, right? Because there's times where we felt like he was giving up too soon, and then sometimes it feels like he's he instead of prepping for next week, you know, throwing in the towel, knowing when to throw in the towel, is very different for Sonny. Um, was it was it game earlier in the year? Or was it last year where we felt like he threw in the towel a bit early? Um, yeah, but yeah, uh, there was there was a maybe it was the San Diego State game, uh, or maybe it was the I don't know. There were a couple times last year where we felt like he might have gave given up too early. You mean like when we were ahead? Yeah. Oh, okay. And or I mean, oh yeah, yeah, or he had to bring we the down. starters back in. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so yeah, there are there are certain moments like that for me, but nightmare moments for me, I can't think of any. The entire game was a nightmare. <laughs> I don't know. You were so positive. I was. It was really hard seeing I was. that. <laughs> I was. I was incredibly positive. I don't know what it was about this game, but I I really felt like maybe we could pull something off. Um, you know, having Darius, which, by the way, Darius Powell and Jared Goff were on the sidelines of the game. So, and if you watch the game on TV, you know, there were they caught it on, they caught it on the camera with Chad Hansen and Jared Goff on the sidelines talking and, um, you know, I don't know how that conversation went, but 
hey, you think you can come get your passes for me next year? <laughs> Pretty sure Case Keenum's on his way out. I'm looking for a wide receiver. I feel like it'd be a good dynamic for us. You and Nelson Spruce might be a really good one-two punch compared to the wide receivers we have now, which are crap. <laughs> Kenny Britt, baby. Next oh. week, he's going to star for my fantasy team. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, God. All right, how about what we did well? Uh, what did we do well? <laughs> I thought we ran a pretty decent – I thought we our offense did well outside of that first quarter. Like, you know, throwing up 24 points, and USC's defense is solid. I wrote that preview. They're, they've been playing an excellent brand of football over the last three, four games. And, uh, yeah, I mean, the offensive line, holy smokes, zero sacks yeah. against a scheme that sends a lot of different style of blitzes and disguises. And that's impressive no matter what. So, yeah, maybe the offensive line is what we did well. Yeah, I think what we did well, the pass game wasn't that bad, in my opinion. I, you know, we I, we were, we were uh, texting back and forth, and we I kind of said – you know, the, we're moving the chains. Like, it's not like we're going three and out, three and out, three and out, three and out, three and out. Like, we're getting a couple first downs, and it's just we get, you know, maybe to the 50 or maybe to their 40, and then we just couldn't seem to close and get into the red zone or or make that big-time play to get the touchdown. And that was – that sucked. But um, in terms of what we did well, I think that's what we did well, right? We did we did move the chains. Like, we, we forced them to play. And, you know, the one – the one turnover, the one interception Davis had, like, that was just bad. Like, it wasn't even a good play by the defense. It was just, you know, he threw off his back foot to a Melquise Stovall on a go route and underthrew him. And Melquise had to track back, but the, the safety over the top already saw it. And he made the play and caught it in bounce. Like, but other than that, he did a real good job of making sure he threw where he wanted to throw and and hitting exactly the wide receivers that he wanted to throw. It's just some of the wide receivers just cannot catch the ball. Um, there were a couple times on fourth down where we threw it to VC and just could not come down with the ball. Um, There's know. one of those I thought was PI, actually. Yeah, yeah. I think the, the last one on fourth down to VC after we mm-hmm. threw to Hudson on that third down, I think. I think it was yeah. the third down play and where I thought it was obvious PI. The, the last, the fourth down play, I don't... There was they gave us a f- couple of calls too. I mean the PI call against I think it was VC, you know where they said he was pushed out of bounds. Like, yeah, that yeah. was well, that ja- was a Jackson. F- yeah, that was a phantom call. <laughs> that was a bad call. Um, yeah, that was a real bad call. But um, I mean it helped us, you know. But yeah, there was another PI call earlier where it looked like he was trying to get his hands up, but he so like VC was trying to get both hands up, but the cornerback I don't know who it was. It might have been Marshall, maybe not. Um, was going for the swipe down. So it kind of just hit his right hand down and, and wouldn't let it come up. Mm. So I think the ref might have seen that and just went, you know, it's just just in just contact that happened. It wasn't like he was trying to keep his hand down. It's just just he was going down, he was going up, so it just kinda of held it down. Incidental. Yeah, incidental. So Yeah, I don't know. There were a couple of plays that went like that. Um so what did but what did we do poorly? Mm, I mean, defense. <laughs> defense is just a consistent issue. Yeah. Um, I think, I mean, poor Luke. Poor Luke, man. He's he's really good at seeing the ball. Great, great eye for the ball. I think being a quarterback helps him out tremendously in that sense. But, man, he, does he make some bad, bad tackles. Oh, he's bad angles. Yeah. I mean, on that, was it the, was it the run, the 37-yarder run, where – 
Downs basically funneled uh, Ronald Jones into the perfect situation, right? He pursued him and made sure he cut into the hole that he wanted. And all Luke had to do was basically just... He didn't have to tackle him. Like, he didn't have to go low. But he went low for the ankles trying to get the tackle for sure. Except what he should have done was just go high and just kept him there. Because Ronald Jones looked like he wasn't going to truck him or anything. Right? He didn't dip his shoulder. He didn't do anything like that. Mm -hmm. So if you do that, then just hold him up high and wait for... Because Downs was coming on on the other side. It's just by the time Luke went for the ankles, Jones was already still at full speed and just kind of sidestepped around him. And then Downs couldn't catch up because the distance was too great. Um, but, like, I mean, he was our leading tackler at 11, but you never want your starting safety to be your start, your top tackler at 11. Unless you have a guy like Suwa Cravens, you know. That's different. Um, but, yeah, I, yeah, the defense. I mean, we lost a lot of guys. Cochran's out. Cochran went out. Um, That's the one went, place where we can deal with it, actually. Yeah. McCarry went out for a little bit, too. Um, I'm not sure if he'll... I don't know. He went out and then came back in, but yeah, McCarry was out. Um, and I guess we flipped Chris Palmer back to defensive tackle when he was on the O-line. Um, and then we burned a couple of red shirts last week with, like, Yagi in them. But I don't think Yagi played this week. I think he was out injured. Um, so, yeah, we're thin everywhere now. Absolutely everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. Not having Allensworth hurt. Definitely. And I, it's weird for me to think that over the last three years, we haven't had that defensive guy that, you know, like we count on week in, week out. But Allensworth is that guy for us right now. And not having him sucked really bad. <sighs> All right. I guess I think that's enough for the the USC. Oh, can I can I just make one more point about the USC game? There's a what if. A what if. Yes. Have you seen some of the uh, our two linebackers that left this year and how they're playing? Like Michael Barton at Arizona and how Hardy Nickerson is playing at Illinois. I know Hardy's doing extremely well, unsurprisingly. Michael Barton is their best linebacker. Really? Yeah. In in all the fire and turmoil that's happening at Arizona, Michael Barton is their best best linebacker. Oh, that's wild. So he didn't. He really didn't like it here, though. Yeah, I don't think so. But the what if, right? Yeah. If that's how right. well they're playing at their respective, then yeah, yeah it would sure it, it would it would make, it'd be a whole different looking defense. Maybe yeah. Scheme wise, I still don't know. You know how great we are defensively. I'm like not not sold at all that we have the right coaches in place. Yeah. Which, but. by the way, on that note about coaching, I I not I'm not sure and confident about this, but I do think a discussion we need to have in the near future about it is I believe this is a contract year for Kaufman. Oh, yeah, a two year contract. Yeah. Signed. Yeah. I don't think, and there hasn't been any word of an extension or anything. Um, he, he must have had three, huh? He yeah. came in 2014? 2014. Yeah, because he came, he came the season yeah. right after the first season, right? Because mm-hmm. Bue was fired, and then we came in with Kaufman. So, Andy Buzz uh, got a top 25 defense at Maryland right now. Yeah. Pretty crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, as far as Kaufman goes, he's an easy person for me to say not renew. Yeah. Uh, it, it's... 
it's not even if we even just took and look at the defense and we're like, look, you didn't make have a defense in the top sixty, okay, and then put that on the side and just say, and you're evaluating someone who doesn't contribute on the recruiting side as much as someone can. And being a positional coach, too, right? You're not just the right. D.C. You're the linebackers coach, and you're not recruiting linebackers. Right. That is – it's it's killer. Yeah. It's killer. So, I mean, it would be really hard. I mean, even, even – I think – I didn't get to read it today, but I think Abby just posted something that said, uh, you know, Sonny was pretty critical of the defensive coaches. I'm not surprised. Yeah, not surprised at all. So that's, that's going to be a storyline. I mean, we'll talk about it later on maybe in the offseason, but – that's going to be a storyline going into the offseason, right, is if, if it actually is a contract year this season, what happens with that? How do you redistribute that defensive money? How much do you spend on getting a, a defensive coordinator? Well, here's how, I mean, if I, would, if I would go about that route, let's say you're not going to renew. And you okay. already have it. Let's say Sonny's criticized, critical, he's probably leaning not renew. Okay, so Kaufman's out. Yeah, at the, at the, at the end of the year. Okay. If it was me... Depending on how Washington, Washington State, and Stanford go, if we lose all three, and it's mainly because of the defense that we lose all three, then I just cut them after Stanford and tr- use that week in between with UCLA to try and f- like see if someone's available and the right person, potentially. I don't know if you can turn it around that fast. So that way you get a month of recruiting in before, you know, or a month or two months of recruiting yep. in before uh, signing day. Yeah. Because otherwise, if you are, like, the nice guy who lets it play out over the course of the whole program or the rest of the season, you're going to— Or especially gonna, the rest of the offseason, too, right? Yeah, you're going to cost yourself, you know, the once the same thing we're already costing ourselves right now. So getting someone in there that can actually recruit, and the earlier that they can recruit, the better, and— if they can sell a better version of Cal than what we're selling right now, then maybe we don't have to rely on two-star, three-star recruits to backfill. And we can have something where we can rely on maybe like a four-star guy on defense like defense to maybe come in there. I feel like we only have two. Yep. One at corner and one at D-line, and I haven't seen Uda anywhere. Nope. Yeah. Modern-day mystery. Yeah. So, yeah, that's a, that's a storyline we're going to have to be looking into the offseason. Uh, but we'll move on. Uh, to our Pac-12 games of the week, uh, we well, we're gonna instead of going over all the games, we're gonna pick one game a week now uh, that just happened this week, and we'll just discuss it for a little bit before we move on to our next segment. So, your game of the week, Washington Utah. What about this game intrigued you? Everything because we're playing Washington next week, and we've already played Utah. Man, that Utah win makes us look really, really good because yeah. they look solid. Jake Browning is not Andrew Luck. I've watched that game. He's not Andrew Luck. He misses his receiver. He throws balls behind them. He's still young. There's an opportunity here against Washington. And I hate to say it because I'm building myself up. It was nice against SC because I was like, we're going to lose and we're going to lose by a lot. And then it happened, so I was like, okay, great. You know? Not not upset. Then, (laughs) so, uh, but I do think we have a chance to beat Washington. I truly do. I don't think they look particularly special against Utah, and I think that watching this game you know, really made me think that we have a chance. And, and Utah is one as a one-dimensional team. You saw that in uh, overtime or whatever, yeah. when uh, their quarterback literally couldn't hit anyone, and they, they looked really, really bland, and Washington still kind of struggled to hold them in check. So I'm kind of excited 
Real excited for Saturday now. Yeah. I mean, we've been at every Cal home game, right? Or you for one, except, except for one for you. But the way Cal plays at home, so different from when they play away. And especially Davis Webb's play. I don't know what it is. Something about Memorial Stadium and Kim Amfield that just ignites him. Like, is this his is is this his Madison Square Garden? Like, is that what it is? Like, it's just <laughs> it's that type. Is this his Lambeau Field? Like, it feel it feels like that, right? Like, whenever he plays in Memorial, it's just something's different. Um, and hopefully, hopefully, the the crowd is on hand, and it's been on hand all season long. Mm. Kind of. At least the student section has. Uh, I can't I can't knock on the student section at all this year. Yeah, uh, agreed. The student section has been on point this year. So if that if at least that is there, the guys will get some energy off. It's top it's a top five team coming in town. I mean there might be a crap ton of Washington fans. Yeah, there's gonna be a lot of Washington yeah, fans. That came out of the woodwork. <laughs> it's gonna be uh Yeah, no, there's gonna be there will be a, a big Washington presence. Oh, it's gonna and... be all those Oregon fans that you couldn't find their hats. <laughs> In their jerseys, right? Just somewhere in their house. And all of a sudden, they found this purple shirt that they wanted to wear to the game. So that's why they're coming this week. All the Oregon fans that are from Seattle. Yeah. Yeah. That's what, that's what it is. Uh, for me, my game of the week, Washington State, OSU. Um, Washington State squeaked it out. They somehow find a way to keep winning in the Pac-12, which is, astounds me. And now they're ranked 25th in the country. What? <laughs> what? And that was my third point. Is Washington State is ranked twenty fifth? What? I, I'm, I'm, I'm at a loss of words. This football season, I thought would would be crazy in in Pac twelve. Not this crazy. It's been all over the place. Colorado is number one in the South. Washington is number one in the North. And Washington State's number two. Yeah, I think we're still above Stanford in the standings. I believe. If I'm not mistaken, in just the Pac-12 North and South rankings, we're third. I think they're fourth. <laughs> Head explosion. Obviously, it's a must-win. It is. I mean, we need, back. we need two more games to be bowl eligible. Our last, our four final four remaining games come against Washington, Washington State, Stanford, UCLA. All four teams have been ranked at some point this season. Either they're currently ranked or they were ranked. So, <laughs> no, no, I'm scared. Oh, I'm so scared. UCLA and Stanford are the ones. You, those, I mean, those are the two. Like UCLA's got to be a win at home. Yeah, that's they're not very good. Yeah. And I think Washington State is the toss-up one. I mean, look at how they played against OSU, right? Mm-hmm. Like they're they're. They're probably just as volatile as us. Yeah. Except that they've come out on the winning end more than the losing end. Yes. Right? But we seem to win against them in odd ways. It, yeah. So, yeah, I, I agree. I think Washington State, you say, like, we have a good chance. We have a good chance of ending the season 7-5 and five again, which is weird. Which is so weird to me. It's weird because it, we took a much more challenging route there. Yeah. I mean, because this year I really feel like we could have easily won two games or one game. If we end up winning seven, you know, you could easily win. Whereas last year, it felt like, okay, we yeah. had those wins where we yeah. had wins. But the seven, that, like, if we end the season seven and five, 
I think some people might look back on the season and go, we could have been 9-3. and three. Oh, yeah, me included. Yeah, we could have been 10-2. and two. We easily could have won eight games this year. Yeah, easily. It's, I mean, take back the ASU and the OSU game. Yeah. There you have it. And the San Diego State game. <laughs> yeah, it's really not hard to, yeah. to see that happening. That's because the conference was vulnerable this year. Anyways, and we're going to have to capitalize on that, in our, and we'll have to have another top 30 recruiting class like we did last year, but we have to be able to do that on the defensive side of the ball. It's the, way more logical. The only there. reason we're constantly in the top 30 of recruiting classes is because the offensive recruits carry that recruiting class mm-hmm. every year. I mean, just look at last year alone. Like the Milky Stovall plus Demetrius, Jackson, or Demetrius Robertson combo alone vaulted us. Right? So... Uh, and Jordan Duggan, of course, too. Can't forget about Jordan Duggan. Who, by the way, I guess burned his red shirt, too. Because yeah, he played. I saw that. Yeah, he, the number two jersey was on the field. So, there you go. All right. Uh, we'll move on to the game that we have to play next week. Ugh, Cal Washington on ESPN on 7.30. Another 7.30 game, by the way. Damn it all to hell. Yeah. Um, another 7.30 game at Memorial Stadium. So, <laughs> I'm so I'm so over it. Staying up till 4 a.m. <laughs> on Saturdays to write these recap posts. <laughs> Oh my gosh! It's literally ridiculous. I'm okay with an every once in a while seven thirty game, but come on, man, give us at least like a couple of day games. Lord have mercy on the people that are there. I mean, Lord bless the East Coast people that stay up to watch these yeah, games because seriously, the, you're starting at ten thirty. We're ending at eleven, so which isn't as bad as starting at ten thirty. It always seems like I'm up till four. <laughs> Uh, anyways, let's go over this. Uh, so the line uh, was just opened up. Uh, Washington favored by 17. That's a lot. That is. I don't think... I mean... But the line will change, right? Washington didn't look that good against Arizona. No. They didn't look that good against Utah. No. And they're coming in. Pac-12 after dark. Again. So we never know what's going to happen in Pac-12 after dark. All right. So let me give, let me give you some stats just to, just to mull over... All right. Washington is currently the number one scoring offense in the Pac-12 at 46.1 a game. Mm. Um, and and they've scored 50 touchdowns and seven field goals. Compared to us, we're number two scoring offense in the Pac-12. We've scored 41 touchdowns and 14 field goals. Okay. So there's that. Uh, scoring defense, well, this is the disparity, right? Washington has allowed an average of 15.8 points per game. They've allowed 16 touchdowns and five field goals. Cal, Cal, on the other hand, has allowed 41.8 points per game. They've allowed 43 touchdowns and 11 field goals. Yeah, I'm going to fall in the trap that I do sometimes of liking this game because... It's a trap game for Washington. We beat them last year. Yeah. We were able to... We, we, if anything, can use that. And we get them at home. And we play much better at home, just like... Basketball season last year, and yeah, it's it's. I think it's a winnable game for some reason. I don't know. I don't like the minus seventeen line. I think the game will come down within ten points unless somebody pulls away at the very end. Rushing offense, Oregon is number one at two forty eight a game. Washington's number two at two twenty four, and we held Oregon in check pretty well at home. Yeah, we won't do that against. I don't guess. think we will because they're not as. The reason why we held Oregon in check was because of all those penalties. The Brooks James had so many runs. Like even that first opening drive, he had that forty-eight yard run called back as a hold, 
Chris Peterson Peterson teams don't play that way. They're not going to bail bail us out with mistakes. So yeah. Gaskin's going to get his yards, but I'm convinced that we're going to be able to get our yards, especially if uh, Mister So Hot right now can come back and play and give us that element. That'd be big time. Please, please. Um, but yeah, I mean, you look at some of the other team stats, right? Their rushing defense is sixth at 153 yards a game. So it's not great. They're right in the middle of the pack. But then you flip to their pass defense, which is number one in the Pac-12 at 170. They only allow 171 yards per game. So this is clearly, in my opinion, as much as Washington's, Washington fans say that this is like, oh, a battle of, like, Washington's the superior team. They're the number one scoring offense and, you know, number one scoring defense. In my opinion, this is a battle of the sword and the shield. They haven't faced an offense like ours before. They haven't faced guys that are this dynamic all across the board. And a quarterback that is dead on accurate, in my opinion, in the Pac-12. Like, he's one of the better throwing quarterbacks in the Pac-12. And if what I think what's, what's nice for Washington State fans is they can look at our game and go, if we keep it close, they're going to say, we got a shot. Because it's going to be the same, basically the same offense, if not with a better defense for Washington State. So... I'm sad that we couldn't have seen the Apple Cup first because if it was, then maybe we can get a little bit off of that game and go, this is what we can do to try and maybe keep the game close. But I'm with you on this. I, I really feel like this is gearing up to be a trap game for Utah. And they haven't, as I said, they haven't faced an offense like this. They haven't faced a, a high-tempo, big-play-type offense like this. Um, so if we can do that and give them the big plays and complete those big plays we might catch them off guard. You know, if we go like what we did with USC, and I'm not saying that this is how the game plan is going to go, but if we start off the game with an 80-yard bomb to Demetrius over the top and we open up the scoring 7-0, they might get a little shell shock. Like, I th- I think that element might be there. They're like, we never, we've, what? <laughs> what just happened? Like, and if they don't gather themselves quick enough, we might strike again. And our team builds our confidence based on how many touchdowns we score. The more touchdowns we score, the more confident we are on offense and defense. So if we can get that quick fire strikes going and we're up, what, four, like, what's it, like 14 to 7 in the first, first end of the first quarter? Tight ball game the rest of the way. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Just because the confidence will be running so high and we'll be in pretty good form, in my opinion. Do you have any X factors for the game or p- players you want to be looking out for? Yeah. Chad Hansen's health. Yeah. And Allen's worth health. <laughs> That's those are the two. In my opinion, and this is just my opinion, I think Chad Hansen goes this game. He if you watch the pregame, he warmed up for the SC game. Granted he wasn't in pads, but he was still jogging around catching balls. So you get that was a short week, right? And we played on Friday. So you give him from Friday to Saturday. Thursday. Or Thursday. That was Thursday. So Thursday to Saturday, you give him a long week of rest. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I think he can come back and play. And hopefully Allensworth, too, with an extra week of rest. Yes, please. Cause and well, if we go down big, rest everyone. Yeah. <laughs> rest everybody and if go for the win if we're down, If we're down more than 21 points yeah, going I, into, like, halfway through the third or, like, into the fourth, get everyone out. Yeah, me too. Get everyone out of there. Save them for the rest of the year. Yeah. That's my opinion. All right. Um, I guess for me, the one person to watch, John Ross, their wide receiver, 
He's good. Um, he's real good. But in my opinion, if we have Allensworth and we can lock down John Ross, we can force Jake Browning to make errors. And that's where that's where my positivity of this game comes from, is they don't have that second guy. We have the second, third, and fourth guy, right? Which is why I think our offense, in terms of passing, kept clicking against USC too. I agree, but I think they'll just run out on the ground. If, that's true. Yeah, you know, they'll just hand it off to Gaskin if it doesn't work. Right. Right. And that's where that's the unfortunate part about yeah. our defense is that even if you were to slow down the passing game, it doesn't really matter when they average eight yards a carry. <laughs> this is true. You are right. You are correct. All right. I guess we're uh, off to our predictions. What is your prediction for this game? Well, um, what about Cal winning without dropping 50? Like 41-35? <laughs> so a nice tension-filled game with Cal winning by an interesting score of six. Are so, we going to get in trouble in the box again? Yeah. Washington, <laughs> every week, Washington gets the ball and the defense manages to prevent them from scoring the tying, or the winning touchdown. Okay. At the end of the game. Okay. And uh but def and Cal doesn't drop fifty to win. I don't I don't see us dropping fifty. I do think we can win. And I will say that this week I think it can be a win. I think it's forty I'm gonna call forty five forty two. Does that work mathematically? Forty two works? Yeah. Yeah. Forty two works. I just say yeah. say numbers. Forty five forty two. <laughs> Cal wins. Just throw out numbers. Yeah. Forty five forty two Cal wins on a Maddie Anderson field goal in the fourth quarter. Love it. Boom. Wow. That'd be awesome. I'm definitely not watching that kick. <laughs> no, what if it's early on? Meathead. What if it's like one of those like kicks, like let's say in Oh. Like, you know, like two minutes into the fourth quarter and that's the score and it just it just punt back and forth, back and forth until the game's over. That would be the most unlikely cow <laughs> game ever. Yeah, our defense is gonna shut down Washington for the whole fourth. Throw a big bagel up on there. Like, what are you guys? <laughs> Number five next to your name? Get out. Get out of here. All right. Um, and then uh, our picks for other Pac-12 games this week that you want to watch. Andy, what's yours? Oregon SC. Um, why? Why? Because you why. took mine. Oh, I did take yours. Yeah, I was going with UCLA and Colorado. <laughs> I like, wrote it in there like, ah, dang it, I got to choose another one. That's why. Um, that's the honest answer. But I think it's just interesting to weigh opponents we've previously played. It's always good to see, like, USC should win that game. But Oregon went out and dropped through 50-plus points. Yeah, uh, Herbert set, like, a career high, I believe. Was it against Arizona State? Yes. Yeah. That Arizona State loss is yeah. so unacceptable. Not even, yeah, and more. I, I knew more. it at the time. But it's hurting like, us more now. It's, it's so, un, I don't think Todd Graham is a good coach. Yeah. Uh, I can't believe it. Anyways, that's the one. Yeah. So as Andy said, my game was UCLA-Colorado. And that's an early game this week. I believe it's a Thursday night game. Mm-hmm. Um, so just because. But Colorado's at home. Yeah. I think they're going to smash. I think they're going to destroy UCLA. Especially if Rosen can't go either. Granted, Rosen's backup did throw for 500 yards last, or two weeks ago because they were on a bye this week. But um, regardless, for me, the reason I want to watch this game is because I haven't watched Colorado play for real Like once they were ranked all season long. I want to see what this team is actually about. And to play against a, you know, as much turmoil as there is without having Rosen and all those, like, and, and the whole um, Tack McKinley, you know, the stuff where he's like, taking an absence to leave from the team as that freshman and 
despite all of that, they still have four-star, five-star guys that are on their roster that are talented. And playing against them to see how that pans out will be fun to watch. Agreed. In my opinion. All right. Um, on to a little bit of basketball talk before we, uh, before we close out tonight. Yeah, um, what happened to Troy Brown? Troy Brown is deciding November 8th, I believe. Ooh. So we have a couple Same weeks. night as the election? Yep. Which one do you care about more? <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I mean, we lost Ira Lee to Arizona. Um, so Cal is frantically searching for forwards and centers. Um, in Frantically? Well, you have to now. Why? We have Marcus Lee. You have Marcus Lee for next season, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but you lose, in terms of, like, power forward centers, um, Rooks will be a senior, or Rooks can graduate and leave. Mm. Okay? He could be a grad transfer elsewhere. I'm not saying he will, but that's, an, that's a possibility. Kingsley is the only other center left. So you have Marcus and um, King for next season. In terms of power forward, you're losing Ivan Rabb. You're losing Roger. Right, and so you're only backup there. Oh, and you're losing Domingo, so your only real backup at power forward now left is Roman Davis, going into next year. So you need to find another guy because um, I think they were banking on Ira being that three-year guy that holds over, especially with next year where we're going after Jordan Brown, um, arguably like top three recruit in the country at power forward center. Um, so there's the question mark, right? Do you have can you build the depth behind there for next season? Mm. Um, as much if you bring in a talented freshman two years from now, like do you have this sophomore and junior that can play significant minutes? When's signing day for basketball? There is no signing day for basketball. Can you sign your financial aid um, agreement? There's like a it? there's like a period where like it's like an open open period and a closed period. Yeah, uh, but you can announce at any time and sign. There's no big event like signing day like there is in football. And are you done? If I really says I'm going to Arizona, I'm going to Arizona. Most likely because signing day basically, as soon as it opens, they just sign up. And when is it open? Uh, in like uh, two weeks or so, like right uh, into November. Gotcha. Um, so that's why when Ira Lee committed, like everyone was like, okay, on to the next one because yeah. it, it's not like the only way that something happens is like what Charlie Moore happened last year, right? He's he. Committed, then signed to Memphis, and then Josh Pashner went to Georgia Tech. Okay. So he was released from his letter of intent, and he came to us because we were, we were one of his top choices. So gotcha. So yeah, that's where we stand. So we're looking for another power forward center. Um, in terms of the scheduling, Cal plays its first exhibition game this upcoming Thursday, um, at home, and then next Friday is our first official game against South Dakota State or some or. I think so. <laughs> yeah. I think it's South Dakota State. I think that's right. Yeah. Is or just f- South Dakota, maybe. Yeah, or just South Dakota. But regardless, that's our first official game. So just letting you guys know, that's when it is. I didn't look at what time tip-off was, but I believe it should be around 7. I'll be in Santa Barbara. Yep. Fun times. Classic. <laughs> Fun times. Classic me. Yep. Being a good Cal fan. Yep. Uh, but yeah, that's that's the schedule for the upcoming basketball. And we'll go over basketball once basketball season starts to kick up. I'm but. excited. Because yeah. if football starts to tank, which I don't think it will, but if it does, we have a nice backup option. Yeah, our basketball team's not bad. Mm-mm. Not bad. It's kind of funny. They're setting a very nice standard. It's very interesting how like you have programs like Virginia, who just can't seem to get a good football team, but have just an excellent basketball team. Or like Duke. Yeah, or like Duke. <laughs> it's just so strange how the two, you Kansas, can attract Kentucky. one athlete, but the other athlete for a different sport evaluates it on a different level. It's like, no, no, thank you. 
It's interesting. Yeah, it's very interesting. That'd be a really good study to do. Why certain teams can't bring up other sports. Like, imagine if we brought up football or... I mean, basketball's on the rise, but imagine if we brought up football to, like, the extent that our water polo team or our swimming and diving team was. Mm-hmm. Like, we just... I saw Rui's tweet the other day about our swim team. Like, we pulled in, like, the number one, number six, or, like... So, we pulled in the number one, and then we pulled in, like, two of, like, the top t- other top ten, and then, like, another one within the top 18-ish. It's Cal and Stanford and everyone else. <sighs> like, that, it's crazy. Are, I mean, have you seen the new facilities? Oh, I, I drove <laughs> by the other day. It's amazing. Yeah. It's, uh... I mean, come on. If you have cool. a swim, swim facility called the Legends Aquatic Center, like... <laughs> that name alone, like just it, you know, sign me up. Yeah, but yeah, uh, that wraps it up for us. Uh, we are done here. We are good to go. So uh, you can find me on Twitter at rob eleven hwng. You can find Andy on Twitter at Andy J Beast Mode. That's right. Uh, you can find us. You can email us at cgbbearcast at, at gmail dot com. Please email us. We want to know what you're. What do you think about the pod? Any suggestions you might have? Any questions you want us to talk about? We love getting fan mail. Is it, are they really fans? They're just probably listeners. They probably hate us anyways, but who cares? We so, want to hear from you either way. Yeah, either way, we want to hear from you, whether it's good or bad. And the questions we had last week were great. Yeah. Um, and, well, our stuff is all on CaliforniaGoldenBlogs.com, so you can find us on there. And I think that's about it. I think that wraps it up for us. And, as always, go Bears. Go Bears. You know it! What?